If the government knows how much tax I owe, why don't they tell me? Can a fish drown in oxygen? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life! Hello! The comedy paranormal podcast where every week we dissect a new paranormal tale and come to a conclusion at the end of the episode whether it is paranormal or it is baloney. As always, I'm joined by my co-investigator and lifelong friend, Kit Grimalvena. How are you doing today, Kit? Fantastic, Rory. Thank you for asking. Uh, that's right. Every week we dissect a case like a f***ing frog in a biology classroom. Yeah. We slice it open. Put on stuck in the middle with you and <laughs> kind of dance around a little bit before we get to the slicing. We're psychos. We're serial killers. <laughs> we're, we're crazy. I think it's worth spending a little bit of time thinking about that opening question. Can a fish drown in oxygen? Humans drown in water because... In that situation, we are a fish out of water. Sorry, no, that was a bad example because we are definitely in water as a human, not a fish. But a fish out of water, you know that, that is the phrase, actually. You know that, that there's oxygen in, the, in, the, in water and that's, that's how they live. Don't they drink really fast and it gives them life? Not life, but swim. I kn I've known you for long enough that I can see where this is going. Don't try it. Don't try it. You can't do that. You're not a fish. If drowning is not being able to breathe in your current environment, then a fish out of water would technically be drowning in oxygen. I'm going to die on this hill. I mean, you joke, but uh, we've said it here before on the podcast. Um, we specialize in the paranormal, ghosts, yeah. ghouls, aliens, cryptids. Let's be real for a second. The shit that's in the ocean is much stranger than any paranormal creature. Way scarier. It's the reverse sky. That's hell down <laughs> okay. there. Everyone's like, oh, what, what's out there in the universe? Look below, motherfuckers. There's some scary shit down there that we need to be investigating. Uh, look, as much as I would love to talk about the ocean and all the creatures inside of it, Kit, we have a very, very big, important paranormal case that we need to investigate today. And let me tell you, I'm so jazzed up because I've told you about it and I've talked a little bit about it on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm currently watching The X-Files. The popular yeah. TV show, The X-Files, for the first time in my life. Until a month ago, I had never even seen a single episode of The X-Files. Despite being a paranormal investigator for five plus years. <laughs> it is funny because you are getting into The X-Files. I've been trying my whole life to forget The X-Files. <laughs> because on the flip side, I watched it as a young boy, aged six years old. Far, far too young to be witnessing uh, the X-Files, and I didn't know that it wasn't real. <laughs> so, <laughs> you thought it was a documentary. You're like, why are we not all talking about this? I would see one episode <laughs> about like a little goblin boy that's terrorizing <laughs> a town, and I wouldn't be able to sleep for three weeks. So I, I'm trying to get over that. I'm going to therapy, trying to kind of unpack a lot of those episodes. By the end, Kit was an X-File. They had to get <laughs> doctors in to examine why he hadn't said a word in two months. So I'm glad to see that you are engaging with it as a as a man in a bit more of a uh, responsible manner. I gotta say, in all of the five years you've been doing this podcast, I've never felt cooler being a paranormal investigator. They make our job look so cool. I think we just need to start wearing suits. I think that's the problem. Well, they do a cool thing because people think paranormal investigator and they think tinfoil hat, mother's mm. basement, um, parents didn't believe in them as a child never um made love to a woman never touched a woman 
30 plus years old, never been with with a woman. Bad mustache. Bad mustache. Again, never had a romantic partner of any kind. Okay, uh, let's keep it moving. Let's socially. keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just um, a weird, weird shit like that that is so inaccurate and and penis doesn't work because of years of oh, inactivity. Sorry. No one. <laughs> sorry. If anything, Mulder and Scully were sex symbols. So I don't know where this is <laughs> yeah. coming from for why they think paranormal oh, investigators would be This is what I'm saying. That's, that's the realistic version of it. Because that's okay. what we're all like. None of that other stuff that I said before. Okay, I caught so all that. Speak that for was yourself. Not, yeah, that was totally inaccurate. Especially the penis stuff, obviously. Um, I know you said it, but let's cut it and the people won't know you said it. So what we'll I'm s- saying is I, it, we need to channel some of that. These are uh, guys who, even though they believe in the truth, they work with the FBI to expose the world of the paranormal. And I think we need to take some of that coolness into today's case, a level-headedness, but also the passion of belief and and be willing to accept the world of the paranormal as it's presented to us. Okay, I do think you're trying to kind of prepare me and code me for giving this case a yes. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, you, no. You can't just, it can't be another shag harbor where you just kind of try to ram it down my throat. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, so just, just, it's all right. I'm just going to need to see some... Some hardcore stuff. All I'm going to say is, I think, just in the spirit of the X Files, we say yes to the situation. We say yes to the day. We say yes, yes <laughs> to the end of the case. I don't even have the power to say yes, yes. I have one yes that I can give. If you couldn't tell, I'm subliminally trying to uh, trying to deliver Darren a Brown message. Me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, that's enough dilly dallying. Let's get stuck into today's case. But first, let's have a quick word from today's sponsors. And just a reminder, you can get weekly episodes of This Paranormal Life ad-free over on Patreon.com. Today's case is an email suggestion from James Nichols, who emailed This Paranormal Life podcast at gmail.com with their submission. They said, in an early episode, you asked for other Eastern European mysteries, so I thought I'd send through one of my bizarro faves. The Siberian Valley of Death. Oh, wow. That's got TPL written all over it. Right? <laughs> if my d*** could work, I'd have a boner after that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> right. We cut the first bit. We cut the first bit. So it doesn't even make sense. That really seems out of pocket to the listener. You clearly want to talk about it. You clearly want everyone to know. <laughs> I'm just saying there's got to be one doctor, one doctor in our listenership who can help. Important note. Russia actually has several places called the Valley of Death. But the one that we're interested in today is in Yakutia in Siberia and is much, much weirder than the others. Well, our story today begins in Russia in 1854 with a man named Richard Karl Mack. Now, Richard was a geographer and a scientist who had been working with the Russian Geographical Society to explore a region of Yakutia in Siberia. A place that strangely, even in 1854, hadn't been well documented. R.K. Mack had heard rumors about what was out there, stories and legends passed down by the locals. But it wasn't until he arrived in person that he understood why this area of Siberia is commonly referred to as the Valley of Death. While he was officially sent out as part of a scientific expedition, the mission quickly changed when he discovered what was really out there. I understand you needing kind of the uh, exact context for why someone might be called something, but if I'm going to a place called the Valley of Death, I'm going preloaded 
with uh, a lot of assumptions about what might already be going on. There. Oh, I thought you meant with guns. <laughs> with You're the, like, that too, brother. I'm going to be f***ing John Wick on that expedition. I'm just saying it's a little weird if you're going there expecting a nature preserved for bunny rabbits. Yeah, as a scientist, I would probably have a few questions if I was like, okay, we're going on an expedition. This sounds cool. Do I need like, I don't know, a couple beakers and a ruler? I don't know what scientists need for expeditions. But if they're like, mm, no, we're going to actually going to give you some um, prayer beads and uh, this ancient vampire cross and uh, some holy water, some of holy course. water. And it's like, okay, well, where is this place? <clears throat> Valley of Death. What is it? The valley, I said. It's the valley. What happens there is no one's business. We're hoping you can find out, you poor, poor son of a bitch. It's the valley of Deat. Deat. Right. Deat. The valley of death. Oh, yeah. Oh, hmm. I guess you, you <laughs> could read it. How it's pronounced. You could read it like that if you wanted to, yeah. <laughs> Captain's Log, October 3rd, 1853. Only two days into our journey. Human contact out here is infrequent and brief. Only a handful of hunters and nomads roam this land. His team of men trailed behind him. What interest would the RGS have with a location like this? You don't know? This is where they are buried. <laughs> All right. I'm at this point, I'm stopping walking. I'm not, I'm not setting a foot further until I know what's going on. <laughs> I'm not setting a foot until I get a bit more context. Who are they? How did they die? Why are they buried? Yeah, RK Mack is like, why'd you stop walking? Did you tell them about the things? I told you not to tell anyone about the things till we're at the things. <laughs> it, it seems like some of the people in this expedition party maybe have a bit of insight as to why they're going to this location. Yeah, this is, ver this is very clearly standard kind of almost military style. Everything is on a need-to-know basis. Uh, kind of how we run things in the commune, I will say. Look, all I'm going to say is buried is a very loaded term. All right? Trees are buried, technically. No, they're not. Most of them is, is above ground. Plants and flowers are buried no, to not. a certain they're planted. degree. A little, a little it's bit. completely different. Buried means completely submerged permanently under the earth. Ideally, six feet or more. The mission dragged on day after day with little to see until the party rounded a river bend and spotted something strange between the thick vegetation. RK Mac and his team pushed through the barren trees and soon enough, before their very eyes, stood one of the objects that they had heard about in their stories. A bizarre looking, huge metallic dome that was half sunk into the ground. The locals called them the cauldrons because of their hard metal shell and seemingly hollow interior. In his journal, R.K. Mack wrote of several of these objects scattered across the valley. Alright, I see where this case is going, Rory. We have a band of witches somewhere nearby. Giant witches. They have abandoned their cauldrons. I will say, usually when we hear cauldron, we jump straight to witch. Mm. But I think this is a case of locals having to describe something otherworldly using their own terms. Okay, so, interesting uh, use of the word otherworldly. I, uh, I'm going to need a bit more of an explanation <laughs> as to what these things look like, I think. Well, I can give you a pretty good explanation, Kit, because the descriptions in this account are very specific. Okay. They were smooth and round, unlike anything any of the men had seen before. And they were big, 30 feet in diameter. According to reports from multiple records, not just RK Mac, 
The vegetation surrounding each cauldron was completely different from what was growing in the surrounding areas. Some accounts talked about seeing plants that weren't local to the region or branches on trees that were long and twisted. Interesting. So what you're saying that these these cauldrons, for the sake of argument, mm -hmm. that they are having some kind of annihilation style effect on the natural world around them. Exactly. Their immediate surroundings, the vegetation, the grass, the trees is all different from the forest surrounding it. I actually have an illustration here done by uh, one person who has seen the cauldrons uh, of what these things look like in the wild. Okay, this is great, because I guess back then we didn't necessarily have ready access to cameras, so this is probably as good as we're going to get. A hand-drawn illustration. I will say it does paint a good picture. Jeez. Uh, okay, Th this is a good picture. I'll give it to them. It's right? Quite, quite artistic. Um, we've got a black and white illustration of, um, imagine a giant chestnut mushroom on its side, the size of a f***ing plane. It's Sm a UFO. Small plane. I, we were dancing around a, a, a lot, and I just want to jump no, to the chase. It's, it's a UFO. It's not a UFO. It's, it's a straight it's up absolutely not dome. a UFO, and you are you are jumping. You are jumping ahead because it's a slightly curved object sticking out of the ground. We, we had, have no <laughs> idea what this thing is. Yeah, but I just think calling it a fucking acorn is doing it a disservice. Calling it a, a oddly shaped peanut in the middle of a forest is not describing the gravitas of the situation here. Rory, it's, this is Independence Day. We, the mothership sunk into a swampland. Sorry, sorry, I am getting too fired up here. I've just been, I've been watching a lot of X-Files and I need you to believe. I need myself to believe. Rory, you got to meet me halfway here. We've had the regulators breathing down our f***ing necks saying that we need to be a bit more like the BBC and be unbiased. So yeah. if, you, if ever you show me something, I need, because we got, we got, 10, 12, 13 pending lawsuits breathing on our neck of shit we said that was paranormal, which isn't. Of uh, course, yeah. We throw it around a lot. So I'm sorry today. I'm just going to need to be devil's uh, avocado that I'm just going to have to be, you know, just... Batting me back. I'm just going to need to, yeah. Hey, I'll be Mulder. You be Scully. You know, this can be a fun dynamic. <laughs> you say one thing. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you, Scully. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Like, we're colleagues. They... <laughs> we're colleagues. <laughs> they didn't do this in the show. They were actually pretty friendly. Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't fucking look like. A cauldron. No. It looks nothing like a fucking cauldron. Look, but, but that's because, okay, we're going to get onto it a little bit later in the story, but it's because these things have been around for a while. They've been around for so long that the people that first saw them and gave them names, as I said, were naming them after things that they knew about on Earth. And you did explain that this is 19th century rural Russia. Yeah. Uh, the only smooth metallic thing they've ever seen is a fucking spoon. <laughs> they don't right. have a frame of reference beyond a cauldron, a spoon, things like that. So, if, so fair enough. If a caveman saw a UFO, he would think... That's the biggest fucking berry I've ever seen in yeah, my life. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a, f a floating rock. That's crazy. That's insane because that's all he knows. Right. What we're talking about today, Kit, is known as the Metal Cauldrons of Death Valley. Okay, so they are cauldrons. <laughs> they okay. are cauldrons, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, they could like, be anything. Forget it. Just it's just what the townspeople called it. Forget it as soon as you can. So we're talking about the Metal Cauldrons. <laughs> Uh, look, before we dive into the cauldrons themselves, 
fucking hell. Let's talk about this part of the world and possibly why more people haven't visited this site or heard of these objects before. Because <laughs> it's fucking Siberia. I don't know how much you need to explain this. <laughs> but, but if you're the location in Siberia that's known as the Valley of Death, <laughs> yeah. that's how you know it's fucked up. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like Furnace Creek inside Death Valley. It's like, you're, so you're the bad place inside the bad place? This is, this is as bad as it gets. It's gonna be so bad. This location, Yakushia, is described as being impenetrable. <laughs> okay. It's a huge, sprawling wilderness of swampland and vicious weather conditions so strong that the region even has layers of permafrost. Very few people have explored this region even to this day, but there are few who have. Mostly, the locals known as the Yakut people, who refer to the region as Oyuyu Kirkechek, the Valley of Death. But over the years, the location has also earned a few other names from the locals, including Ogudak River, Place with a Cauldron, or the Kelju, which translates to the Iron House. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, I like the one Ogudak River. That's like when the gentrifiers come in to the, to the Valley of Death in Siberia and start making a few Airbnbs. And they're like, oh, it's not... The property is actually located kind of... It, it is bordering right. the Valley of Death, I would say, but it's actually... The Ogudak River is a pretty up-and-coming little area. Yeah, You've got a yeah. couple... I wouldn't say there's cafes. There's kind of like a river where you can drink the water, which is sometimes clean. Isn't this kind of crazy that whatever these things are, they've been around so long that when the locals were naming parts of this land yeah they were a part of the actual process i mean you have that a lot of the times when you look at even locations in america uh out in the west it'll be like here's a town called little rock yeah because right where we stand there used to be a little rock and uh over in the valley of death they're like this is the iron house uh because there's a big cauldron that you can kind of chill underneath if the storm gets really bad yeah, so it really calls to mind the million dollar question here, which is how long have these fuckers been here? And this specific part of Siberia is so dangerous that the locals say even beasts do not go there. <laughs> what is it? I mean, animals? I feel like we're, yeah. I think we're sexing up the language a little bit. That's their choice of words, not mine. I didn't choose to do that. But do beasts refuse to go there because of the marsh and swampland? Or is it because of what lies there in the earth? The iron houses, the metal cauldrons, these impossibly huge metallic objects that have been around for so long that places on the map are named after them? I don't know, man. It might be because you said it was completely inhospitable, permafrost, yeah, where nothing lives. It's pretty cold. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now that we know a little bit about the Valley of Death, it's time to talk about the fucking 30-foot metal elephant in the room. <laughs> right. Because that elephant came from another planet. No, well, we don't know that. And I just, sorry, the regulators are breathing down my neck and I just don't want us to get on the wrong side of them. Listen, Scully, you gotta believe. You gotta open yourself up to the possibility. <laughs> my name is Kit. You've been watching too much. <laughs> You're watching too much X-Files. I know I look a little bit like Julian Anderson, but uh, I'm not actually Scully. Did uh, I tell you I've met uh, Scully, by the way? What? When? Uh, whenever I worked at the Tate Modern, uh, Jillian, or Scully, as I called her before she put me in a headlock <laughs> for doing that. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, she, she was a regular. She's a regular. She's a member at the Tate. Does she live in London? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, 
She Scully. Scully probably keeps a pad everywhere. Oh but yeah. She uh, she lives on planet Gorgon I, and sometimes comes to Earth. I honestly think uh, Scully is like she's a lady about town. Like she. Um, I seem to remember, I might have this wrong, but I think whenever my friend was managing an escape room in London, I think she even went there a bunch of times. She's at that stage. She's just like doing shit, having fun. Having a great time. Looking great. And so I think the full extent of my conversation with her was she said, hey, you, uh, where is this exhibit on? I said, "Uh, the third floor. And she was like, thanks. Have a good day. And I was like, have a good day. I like to think you're like, have a good day. Um, uh, Are they real? (laughs) Are they real? Jillian! You're being like held back by security. Jillian! She, the security start ushering her away. Then she turns. Just as she's about to get inside the, the lift, and she just turns and winks. And I go, <gasps> <gasps> yeah, yeah. Shh. There's yeah. a little shushy motion or something like that. Uh, that's cool. I like to think, um, I know that it's a crime to impersonate uh, an officer or any kind of federal agent. I like to think she could get away with it. I'm just so glad. I thought I was going to have to uh, tell you that she's not actually... Uh, an agent of the fbi <laughs> yeah. well not now though but she was obviously when she did the show right they both were because that's no. how they got so much clearance no no i mean the fbi they might have like said it was the show was cool to like do its thing and and use the word fbi but no they were just actors just paid actors and then how did they but how did they then get into like the pentagon and shit i just i'm struggling to understand i don't think they ever were i think they're probably in a in i just like watched a couple episodes where they got Studio some pretty good City. access they just filmed it in Hollywood. Studio I think. Fifty One or something? Is that is that a is that a paranormal place? No, it's probably owned by Warner Brothers or some shit like that. Um, is the Fluke Man real? I I watched an episode on the Jersey Devil and it was pretty convincing. There was also an episode where Bigfoot had boobs. Yeah, that was the one that sent me to therapy. Uh, <laughs> that's the one that really I I can't mentally go there. I'm not there yet because I had heard so much about the X Files. Uh, but I'd never seen it before. I had seen this picture so much on the internet, right. which is Mulder, the protagonist of the X-Files, looking, studying a photo, studying a, a, drawing a drawing of basically Bigfoot with tits. <laughs> and, they, and they're honkers. They are comedically huge. large honkers. Yeah. <laughs> they're huge. I'm just saying, I've pre- presented better evidence on this podcast before. We're getting off topic, though. Let's dive back into our story, of course. As we said, while the best documented accounts of the cauldron did come from R.K. Mac in 1854, they're not the only first-hand encounters. Other travelers got a lot closer and suffered the consequences. In Russia, 1933, 10-year-old Mikhail Koretsky and his father were out panning for gold in the Siberian wilderness with a local Yakut guide. Pretty ballsy place to go for gold. I guess your odds are hitting some kind of jackpot just because it probably hasn't been searched a lot, you know? Not yeah. a lot of people want to go to the Valley of Death for gold. You ain't finding gold in St. Petersburg Town Square, put it that way. It's, yeah. it's, it's combed over. Exactly. Where are you going to go? Treasure Island? It's been looted. It's gone. Everyone knew there was treasure there. It was in the name. You got to go to, like, Mudtown Rockville. Right. A boring little place where it's like, there couldn't possibly be any gold here. And then the man smiles and he's got, like, six golden teeth. <laughs> You're like, all right, you little f***er, I yeah, think you're hiding is, some serious this gold. This is the story behind Little Rock. <laughs> Nothing here but a little rock <laughs> made of diamonds. <laughs> the trio slashed their way through the wild undergrowth, trying to find an untouched area to begin their panning, when they stumbled across something strange that was sunken into the ground. The object was smooth and round, and only half of its dome-like shape 
protruded from the marsh. <laughs> we don't have to beat around the bush. I think we all know what is sticking out of the ground. And and let's not try and dress it up that it's like, huh, what could it be? Because two seconds ago, you said this thing is nothing if not a giant sp spacecraft, a star destroyer. I call it as I see it, all right? Look, I know I'm a paranormal investigator and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but when I see a giant ancient metal dome that's crash landed, let's face it, crash landed We into don't know the that Earth. it's crash landed. We have absolutely no idea that it's crash landed. It's I'm simply calling it a UFO. Mikhail's dad tapped the side of the object with the blade of his knife, trying to determine what type of metal it was. But it wasn't any material that the men recognized. <laughs> I love the idea of this giant... 50 foot wide dome sticking out humming vibrating radiation leaking off of it intricate ancient egyptian style hieroglyphs <laughs> on the outside he's like dunk, dunk, it ain't gold so f it <laughs> yeah hey let's try this river i mean as you said rory uh, i mean mikhail here he's a 10 year old boy so as far as he can he's concerned this is some kind of metallic cocoa puff that is his only frame of reference frame of reference that's the life. biggest beyblade i've ever seen yeah that pog is huge the mighty Morphin Power Rangers sure are morphing into some weird shit these days. In fact, when they hit the side of the object with a hammer, it didn't even leave a scratch. Just like the other stories mentioned, the group noticed strange vegetation surrounding the craft. The nearby trees had bizarrely long branches, and unfamiliar grass shot up high above their heads. It's also worth noting, you did joke about this, Kit, but in the brutal low temperatures of the Siberian wilderness, the metal object seemed to almost be radiating heat. All right, you got to walk away. Because it, if it's making the the branches of trees go loop-de-loop, -loop, what's it doing to your DNA? <laughs> your bones. Your eyes aren't going to work anymore in about 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes. If any type of object is ever making the ominous... Run. Just back away. Yeah. Just back away. I've microwaved enough burritos to know when things are getting pretty radioactive. Yeah, because spoiler alert, like Rory's Amy's frozen burrito, you're about to be cold on the inside and roasting on the outside. <laughs> I love the idea of Mikhail's dad walking up to this big dome and he's like, yeah, there's definitely something strange going on. And Mikhail's like, it's like, why? What do you see? Nothing. I'm blind. <laughs> definitely something f***ed up. I can't see anything. Yeah. And that wasn't the only time Mikhail encountered these cauldrons. He returned years later with a new group in 1947, alongside a Yakut guide. It took days of expedition, but eventually the objects came into view again. However, in the years that he'd been gone, the objects had sunken further into the earth. This time, instead of staying away like his father and the local guide told him to, Mikhail and his friends huddled together under the ridge of the cauldron and explored every side of it. Yeah, that tracks. I think if you're a, if you're a kid, any kind of young person, you're you're curious. You're going to want to figure out what's going on. Yeah. When you're 10 years old and your dad says, "Hey, don't smoke. Stay away from cigarettes. They're bad for you." You're like, "Daddy is smart. Going to do what he says." Right. He's kind of he's bigger than me as well, so he could beat me up if I if I disobeyed him. <laughs> you shouldn't. But then you you hit like 14, 15 years old. And you're exploring every corner of that cigarette. You're you're smoking it. You're licking it. You're eating them. You're doing whatever you want right. with them. Putting them in your ears, whatever. Because you know that it's forbidden, and that's what makes it sexy. Yeah. Despite the frigid winter conditions, the underbelly of the dome was surprisingly warm. Oh, God. So warm. I was joking earlier. <laughs> so Stay away, Mikhail. So warm and sheltered that Mikhail and his friends decided to spend the night 
camping underneath the warm glow of the object. Oh my god. And while nothing strange happened that night, the true horror followed in the coming months. What happened to these poor sons of bitches? Find out after a quick word from today's sponsors. Hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Three months after their trip to the Valley of Death, Mikhail noticed three little sores on the side of his head. They cropped up suddenly and were itchy and difficult to ignore. He could feel them when he lay down at night, and they were in the exact spot that his head had been resting against the cauldron floor. Oh, you're not feeling so good after your little trip to the Valley of Death? Oh, that's really funny. Could this just be a side effect of what happens when human skin comes in contact with space metal? Uh, no, I think that again, and mm. again, I'm gonna have to remind you, uh, the, the well, S, I know we don't the know where S it came word from, is, lo- is loaded. I just don't yeah. want us to be coming across as biases, but it's radioactive, right? It's not. It's not because it's space metal. It's there's some physical. We don't know. Property we don't know enough about space metal at this point. I think as humans. Okay, but... so why did you say it? <laughs> Why did you say it then? I got to shut down these insane claims. <laughs> You're doing on the podcast. Um, yes, it's it, if it is, hypothetically, no one said it except me and Kit at one point. If this is some sort of craft or object from another world, uh, maybe it's its material getup is so foreign that even touching it has negative effects on the human body. So if you're sleeping under that motherfucker like a big metal blanket, guess what? The bed bugs did bite. And those bugs are called cremulons. <laughs> and their bites 
kill your soul. And they control your brain now. <laughs> I think you're kind of like one of those caterpillars whose brain is controlled by a parasite. Well, this is what we were afraid of, though, is someone getting up and close with an object like this and suffering some pretty bad side effects. We've seen and heard of it before in cases like the Cash Landrum UFO case and many other UFO cases where people who had close encounters suffered some health complications, whether uh, their hair was falling out. Yeah, or... complications, a fun little word for uh, devastating health outcomes. Right. Alien STDs, essentially. <laughs> Alien crabs called cremulons. <laughs> That's what a cremulon is. <laughs> and speaking about hair falling out, in the following months since their visit, 15-year-old Nikolai lost all of his hair and it never grew back as long as he lived, just as Mikhail's spots never healed either. I know some people do suffer with hair loss uh, as they age. <laughs> right. 15 years old is, is pretty early to get for, that process for, started. For uh, male pattern baldness, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if even hymns could have saved him in that case. Over the years, multiple explorers, scientists, geologists, and locals discovered more than seven of these large cauldrons scattered all over the valley. And there's a huge number of records of people coming across these things, dating back so far that, as I said, a lot of the locations on the map in this region are called things like Iron House, River by the Cauldron, Metal Sinkhole, Alien House, Metal House Alien Sinkhole by the River. It really sounds like you're listing uh, a run of show for a Saturday night at the Camden Underworld. Right. <laughs> we got Metal Cauldron up first at 9 p.m. followed by Cauldron by the River <laughs> and then the Iron House. And believe it or not, the bizarre stories don't stop there. There's even other accounts from travelers who claim, bear with me now because I don't want to lose you here, so just hold on a little bit. They claim that when they found the cauldrons, they were still mostly above the earth, to the point where they could actually access the insides via small opening chambers. See, I was wondering when you kept mentioning metal, iron house, metal house. Yeah. I was like, okay, I get that it's a big structure, but that might make more sense if you're saying you can go inside it. Yeah, I think um, I think this next kind of part of the story, what we're going to understand is there's a lot of theories that these things weren't always so far sunk into the ground. Uh, at one point, possibly when they were being called the Iron Houses, they were very much above the ground and a lot more accessible. And over the years, the, the state people have found them in, especially in the 1850s, 1900s, they are very much more submerged into the permafrost via through global warming, any types of just marshland eventualities. For whatever reason, they are now almost entirely submerged don't go inside absolutely i just we rarely do just a health psa yeah but if we have any listeners in the siberian area or the valley of death area do not this is giving me uh, a junji ito style oh, the hole. yeah i'm still gonna go inside though i think i will <laughs> even for a peek I could just see plane tickets Ryanair plane tickets peeking out of Rory's back pocket look if you if you're in the north pole Wander around the North Pole, 12 years old, and you think you see a little elf boy running behind a hill. This has never happened. Why would a 12-year-old be at the North Pole? And, and he runs into he runs into a little crack in the wall that looks pretty scary. You go into the crack because there's a chance. There's a chance this you will find Santa's a, workshop. This is a, 
And you'll find out in that moment whether Santa is real or not. He might kill you because no child can know the truth. So, but you will know. The I understand truth in that moment. I understand. That's, this is my comparison. There is no good that can come. I understand the concept of trying to get to Santa's workshop every child's dream. Of course, yeah. Twelve is a little old, but <laughs> <laughs> but there is nothing good that can come from being in the Siberian permafrost and seeing a humming radioactive hole. There, <laughs> it, Santa's workshop in inside. <laughs> There is no presents, no. there's no cookies, what, what, there's no little gingerbread latte. What I'm saying is my <laughs> UFO, my belief in the, the aliens and the paranormal yeah. is now my Santa Claus. Okay, It's something people tell me doesn't exist, but I know it does. And and if finding out it's real means, yeah, stick in my head in what is essentially a microwave, a microwave yeah. oven. Sometimes you have to do it and you'll either see it. Or maybe you'll get loopy enough that you'll think you see it. Yeah, you said those children almost died, so, de- so don't don't go inside. One of them just lost their hair, okay. all right? And I do already wear baseball hats. I think I could pull it off. <laughs> this is me being like, I've brought like a whole collection of beanies with me. It's like, I'm going to lose my hair, but it's worth it if I get to see an alien. I stick my head inside. My eyes explode. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, f***. <laughs> they just pop like water balloons. <laughs> It's like, I didn't pack one pair of sunglasses. I just have 10 pairs of hats. <laughs> who is this weird guy who doesn't feel pain? God damn it. God damn it. My eyes popped. The noises around me as well. They're like, I'm like, Are, is it aliens? Are you aliens? I can't see anymore. And I just want to know. <laughs> According to these travelers, there was a small staircase that led down into another floor of the cauldron that had now sunken below the earth. Mm. Inside was an array of metal rooms with glossy, smooth, reddish metallic walls. Each room was barren and strangely empty. Uh, I actually do have an illustration from the accounts of people who claim that they did go down into the cauldrons. Kit, here is a picture of what this looks like. Now that I actually see it in the cold light of day, I think that's where the Teletubbies live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. That is literally, it's the grassy mound and you go down the stairs into the fucking... (laughs) Let's Tinky Winky. Let's Tinky Winky right there. (laughs) This is a screenshot of series two of the Teletubbies. Do we know where they came from? Space? Up? Possibly? We don't know. I am laughing because it's a it's a cross section of the earth where you can see the dome, which is above the grass. Yeah. And then the rest of the spaceship, which is the iceberg Huge. underneath the water. As if the person who went inside <laughs> has any idea of what the, the fucking thing looks like underneath the earth. There's a bit of extrapolating going on here. Yeah. This is kind of a theory based illustration. Uh, it's looking, I will say, a lot like, yes, the Teletubbies Halls of Residence uh, or uh, Kanye and Kim Kardashian's house. If you've ever seen that completely bare marble, everything. Yeah. But but I think that the interesting, cool thing here is uh, when you get to see the whole picture of what is below the surface, you realize that, at least in this case, the theory is that the dome or the mound or the piece of metal that people are seeing above the ground is merely a corner, a sliver of the craft that's buried below. And if one did sink in a fashion where the opening chamber was still exposed, you can still go into these things and explore the rooms below. It's pretty interesting. Anything else? Anything else to add? Because 
You got, that's kind of my you gotta, big reveal. You gotta understand. You gotta understand. It's uh, it's a lot to take in. I did say, bear with me. I know. I knew this one was gonna be be a big case. So, so these are these are gone. To be fair, to be clear, these are gone. Are they, Kim? So these are underneath. Are they? They're inaccessible and underneath the earth. You just asked a really good question because I know that we said a lot of these stories are coming from locals or explorers back in the eighteen nineteen hundreds. And if we want some real believable evidence, which I know you love, bud, and I want to give it to you. All right, but don't make it sound like don't make it sound like it's like I have this weird thing where I like if you I, insist, I, I have this thing yeah. for like evidence. It's kind of like why are you so into it? It's like no, that's kind of the basis of if you really really need the it, then I guess I can give you some. But it's like I've already given you two pretty good pieces already. You showed me an MS Paint drawing of the Teletubbies lair. <laughs> that's what you've shown me. <laughs> That little Hoover is is eating tubby custard right now. I can see it. Nunu or whatever the <laughs> f his name is. We need to investigate that dude. <laughs> Look, you need more contemporary evidence. And luckily, Kit, I can give it to you. In the early 1990s, this case caught the attention of UFO researcher Ivan Mackerel, known for his investigations into the Loch Ness Monster and the Mongolian Death Worm two incredibly serious paranormal cases that we've investigated on this podcast that before. That both resulted, I believe, in double nose. Well, they, he's a skeptic, now you know. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he, he's knocked these off the list. He said, no, no, it's time to figure out whether these metal cauldrons are real. Yeah. He and his team of scientists traveled to the Valley of Death to try and locate these strange metal objects. And I have documentary footage of their investigation. And their discovery. But what could explain such a toxic reaction? And where might the dangerous cauldrons have come from? Can we stop the video a second? How come every paranormal documentary... We barely started. How come the, how come the voiceover guy... He always talks like this. Right. <laughs> so close to the microphone and incredibly animated. And he's always asking questions. It'll be like... But what did they see that night? What were they expecting to see? Where did they come from? What should I have for lunch? <laughs> How did I get here? It's just lots and lots of questions. And it's yeah. like, he just seems kind of, he seems like he's just been put in the booth and he's like, what is going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he's always, and there's always like a little sprinkle of humor, you know, like, uh, David went bird watching. But he would see much more in the sky than just birds. Yeah, yeah. You know? Can, like, jazz it up a little bit. Uh, he saw a gray, and he turned white. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah, that's Something good. fun like that's that, good. yeah. I do like that. I like to imagine he talks like this in his daily life. Sandra, you had the kids last weekend. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of. <laughs> trying to negotiate his own life. Please, baby, I'm sorry. Come back. <laughs> she meant nothing to me, I swear. <laughs> she like slams the door. And what would he do next? <laughs> he promised he wouldn't drink again, but temptation was never stronger. This <laughs> is like... the reason we broke up. This is the reason. You need to stop this. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to look past that this is the voice of the man who's narrating it. I can, I'm a professional. In search of answers... UFO researcher Ivan Mackerel and a team of scientists traveled to the Valley of Death 
to try and locate the strange metal objects. I didn't know if it was just a legend or if it was real. So I wanted, first of all, to find this place and investigate it to make up my own opinion. Using a motor-assisted parachute to search the expansive valley, the researchers eventually spotted an odd circular pattern in a marshland. Fair f***ing play. Fair play. So I just want to point out they said, Ivan Mackerel and a team of researchers. And then the camera pans around to just a dad squad of just middle-aged dudes paddling a f***ing canoe. Full-blown like, dad I don't squad. know if any of them are scientists of any uh, accreditation whatsoever, but I will hand it to him. He's uh, he's really... I mean, this, Siberia is a big place, I gather, Yeah, uh, by all accounts. So he strapped himself to a f***ing ceiling fan and, uh, and a parachute, and he's now 200 feet up in the air. It's insane. Uh, more than that, actually, and he's y able to see the whole wilderness. Yeah, they're not just trekking around on the ground trying to see if they can come across a cauldron. This motherfucking dad squad is airborne. Yeah. They are bat squads. They are flying about in the sky at, it looks like, a couple hundred feet, getting an aerial view over this forest, looking for, as we know, circular patches where possibly the vegetation is different from the surrounding areas. The researchers eventually spotted an odd circular pattern in a marshland. When the team explored on foot, they found the ground under the strange marsh area to be very unusual. It sounded metallic and hollow, so we thought mm. that we found a sunken <laughs> right, Stop staring at me as they say things. <laughs> then we found another place like it. <laughs> and even a third that had higher magnetic <laughs> Alright, stop the video! <laughs> yeah, I'm watching the video and Rory is just boring a hole in the side of my f***ing skull with his stares, trying to get me to react to the video. So they've found circles of irregular vegetation multiple times. Pushed around in the swampland. They're hurt. in a swamp and they found a swampy <laughs> bit of swampy water. He's 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 got a stick and he's like smacking the bottom of of this swampy little puddle. And he's like, it sounds hollow. How do you know? You're you're slapping a a, a fucking puddle. <laughs> Did you not hear what he just said? There was some sort of strange, bizarre uptick in magnetic pressures or some scientific bullshit. It's so hard to concentrate with you staring at me saying, hmm. I, uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm, I'm going to say, folks, this isn't even, it's not even like, oh, uh, the trees here uh, have circular leaves and the ones over here are a little bit more brown. It is desolate. It looks like someone scorched the earth in these patches. It is pure, like, burnt marshland creating a perfect circle in the middle of the woods. We haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen <laughs> anything yet. It's a, it's, it's a fucking swamp. Look at it. <laughs> it's a swamp. Like I get, I guess the swamp is circular. I guess that's cool. Currently, I'm hey, I'm on board. I just, I'm, but, like but I'm getting, just... star I'm starting to worry with the degree to which you're defending this portion that this might be all we're getting. No, there's plenty more. Okay, there's plenty more. The video still has a few bits to go. Hold on. All seem like evidence of cauldrons sunken into the earth. <laughs> but before they could explore the site any further, members of the exploration suddenly began to complain of strange, even bizarre symptoms, similar to those described in local legends. I felt very dizzy all of a sudden, lost my balance, threw up, and had a fever. And I didn't know why. I could not walk. I was losing sight. I could not drink or swallow. 
and the pupils in my eyes were dilating fast. So I thought maybe I got some poisoning. When I came home, I had a thorough checkup and the doctors couldn't find any reason for my illness. Pretty crazy hmm. stuff, huh? That is uh, kind of interesting that he had an upset tummy, uh, but... It was a little bit more than that. <laughs> but uh, Nausea, sickness. I think he was going blind at one point. The doctor did say there was nothing wrong with him. Yeah, that is the only bit that even I find a little suspicious is like, if it was radiation poisoning, doctors would be able to know what that is. The only the only leap I had a problem with there was I think I think he smacked the bottom of this puddle with a stick and said, "Yes, clearly evidence of metal cauldrons <laughs> sunken underneath the swampland." Is like, is it really? I guess if 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 there's a popular theory uh -huh. that there are these metal objects that created these patterns in the earth that were there that have sunken down, and you go to the woods, find patches where. The vegetation is different, fine marshland, and everywhere else your stick is going into the earth. And then you go to the heart of the marshland and go straight down and it's like, Kong! That's a pretty good illustration that's like, okay. Which it definitely didn't maybe, because, because it was underwater. I don't even know how the sound would possibly travel through the water of the marsh. Just saying that that is evidence, slight evidence, could be evidence of something down there below the earth. Sure. I, th I think it, it looked cool from from up in the sky, and it was kind of interesting. That there was uh, that sure that that there seems to be a number of locations which matches the the urban legend. We've seen a lot of paranormal hunting expeditions do a lot less. That's all I'll say. Uh, even in the world where of the paranormal, we're talking about ghosts. I've seen just a person show up, close their eyes, and say, "Yeah, I feel it," and that's apparently paranormal evidence. So if an old man is going airborne. Like the fucking dude from Up, then I, I, I'm happy to say that he's at least done a pretty successful expedition. Yeah, he looked cool. He had he had um, kind of braces holding up his trousers. He had a bit of an Indiana Jones vibe. Unfortunately, as you can see, recent expeditions and investigations into this really aren't going to give us any more solid answers because it seems like whatever these objects were, if they did exist, they're properly below the ground now. They've pr they've fully sunken into the earth. So what I, what I think we need to do is we need to go back in time and look at the origins and the legends around them to see if there's any hints to what they are back in the old stories. Hmm. Well, the interesting take here comes from the Yakusha people who obviously have allegedly been living alongside these things for hundreds and hundreds of years. According to their legends, these metal cauldrons are actually weapons. The stories say that there was an epic battle in history where fireballs were shooting up from the earth. It ended in a massive explosion that caused huge devastation to the forest. And when the dust settled, the locals found these vertical metal structures on the surface that over years have slowly sunk into the permafrost. Jesus Christ. So we're really going here from <laughs> something something who knows what might have crash landed to there was a star destroyer battle there was yeah. a a dog fight luke skywalker himself was outrunning uh tie fighters and then they crash landed or, or these objects whatever they are are essentially sentry guns placed on earth to shoot asteroids and alien ships out of the sky okay and this is weirdly again a big part of the the local legend here 
There's other stories that say that uh, this location is the dwelling of a fiery giant who destroys everything around him. Mm-hmm. Other stories say that that roughly every six or seven centuries, a giant fireball bursts out from holes in the earth and fly off into space and explode. There's This is like a reoccurring theme yeah. in a lot of stories and legends that combined with the tales of metal cauldrons placed all over the land. And hey, look, I know that this idea of an enormous fireball exploding in the sky does seem silly, but longtime listeners of TPL might remember a case that we investigated in the past, one of our old X-Files, which was episode 40, The Tunguska Blast, Mm -hmm. which was, for those who don't know, the world's largest ever recorded explosion in human history. It was a meteorite, right? That was one of the popular theories, although I think even as recently as the last few years, that's been disproven okay. because of the the remnants of the rocks that were around it. But uh, for context, this was an event that did happen. People literally were alive to witness it. And when I say that this was the world's largest explosion, uh, the specifics are that it was the size of 185 atomic bombs going off at once. Yeah. So that is essentially 185 Hiroshima's in one moment. If you're a scientist and you're disproving that it's an asteroid, you need to come up with a different solution, bud. Because you can't just say it's not one thing and then someone goes, oh, that's fascinating. So what was it? Oh, that's your job, bud. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here to knock it down. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So, what, like, what, what do you mean? Like, what do they think it was now? No one knows. I mean, <laughs> God damn it! I, I, I guess. How do, how do we not know <laughs> the biggest explosion in history, and we don't know? That seems insane. I don't accept that. I think maybe the theory is that it, it could have been an asteroid, but every remnant of it was destroyed. Are on you impact saying we don't our... know what it was because you're about to loop it into into it's the same thing? Could it? Kit, oh god damn it could it kit have been some sort of asteroid at one point i'm gonna google this shit because that was gonna hit the earth but maybe the metal cauldron century turrets popped up and blasted that sucker out of the sky jesus christ i should have known i should have known we don't know i'm just here to to, to ask some questions you know could it be why that do, the why, ancient why? Metal cauldrons blasted this object out of the sky why do you why do i think that if i google it Google is just going to tell me it was a fucking asteroid. But if I ask Rory right here now, he's like, nah, bro, I think they don't. I think I think they disproved that one. Oh, oh why do I have a feeling if I uh, ask the government what happened, they're going to say, mind your own fucking business. Uh, I they, don't know, kid. Because maybe they don't want you to know the truth. They don't want you to know. I don't know how much the there Tunguska are ancient aliens event, living in the earth. I don't know how much the Tunguska event is like on the priority of like cover ups. For the government. I think they've got enough to cover up with, I don't know, the Iraq war uh, and so on. Uh, I don't know how much they go back in time to historical events. That's because it's one of the rare paranormal events that kind of took care of itself. The event was the cover up, which was it exploded. Uh Uh, That kind of solved their problem for it. They were like, if only Roswell could blow up the same way Tunguska did, it would make our jobs a lot easier. Uh, It was a great episode really cool and strange to hear some of the stories from people who were alive when this thing happened lots of stories of people 
dropping to their knees and praying to whatever god they believed in because they thought it was the end of days. Like, the entire horizon being set ablaze in every direction. This explosion was so large. Well, look, let me let me play Scully for a second, which is to say, you know, I will say it's not terribly unique, the idea of uh, ancient people or a semi-kind of modern people having a kind of a story between the ancient Egyptians or these people in Siberia of... You know, this legends of the sky lighting up, of yeah. stuff raining down. Because let's face it, we have throughout history, there's going to have been meteor showers, asteroids, uh, solar events that are on a scale that we can't even imagine today happening through history. Even, you know, I remember hearing a cool fact. I've probably said it on the pod before. If you look at uh, the famous The Scream painting by Munch, uh, you know, it's kind of famous for being this kind of like, wacky surreal abstract kind of yeah where the entire sky is all strange colors i remember hearing that it's like no uh those colors in the sky were actually um completely accurate there was a volcano that erupted um somewhere in the world and the entire sky all over earth basically went red for like a year wow Um, and it's like people are gonna have some pretty interesting legends and theories about what went on uh, when it was actually pretty um, describable and of this earth. I'm not saying that that describes everything, but it's pretty interesting that we are seeing something similar here, which is like a legend of um, something which granted does sound a bit more paranormal, but these kind of indescribable events being described by ancient peoples who might not have had modern scientific vocabulary for them. Yeah, and if a part of your culture is these stories of gods and giants and fireballs, yeah. then that's like when the the Tunguska explosion happens, you're like, oh, that was a big one. The, the fire god must be really pissed today. Yeah. And it's like, that was probably a meteorite, but the way it's worded and the way these stories are continued is through their own lenses. Yeah, that's what being a historian was back then. There was a big explosion, you were like, ha! That was a big one. Let me write it down in the history books. Sky God 3, the (laughs) devil 1. I'm just keeping score, making sure that future historians know what was going on back here. It must have been funny in olden days if you're just kind of like doing your daily routines, taking your kids to school, cooking breakfast, and all of a sudden a volcano erupts, kills like 100,000 people, and you're like, all right, what was everyone doing? (laughs) What was everyone doing when that thing went off? I was cooking beans. Is that, should I stop cooking beans now? I think, is that maybe we'd stay away from that? What were you doing? You were kissing, you were kissing a woman. Is she your wife? No, yeah. don't do that anymore. Yeah, Marry yeah. them that first. That was probably it. That, that was, was the right one. There. Yeah. <laughs> we got to figure out what pissed it off. And then uh, by process of elimination, you know, someone will just be like, hey, I kissed a girl yesterday, wasn't married, nothing happened. It's like, okay, that one's fine. Put it on, <laughs> take it off the list. That's okay. It's like process of elimination. They had to figure it out. The only problem is when you get like some dude is just like, I had sex with a chicken and nothing happened. It's like, that's still bad. That's saying on the list. That's saying on the list for for completely different reasons. (laughs) Don't touch my chicken. I think we should punish you. We don't need a God to do that. That's our job. Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm, I'm a little disappointed that God didn't strike you down (laughs) because we could all decide that's not good. We need a new God. We need to pick a new God because he should, whoever God we're praying to, we should be on keeping an eye on this shit. Yeah, he was on a lunch break or something when you did that because there's no way that's not breaking a rule. All right, Kit, that takes us to the end of today's story. There's a lot of questions flying around um, going as far as do these exist to 
are they ancient sentry turrets set up to defend the Earth against possible meteorites or alien invasions that pop up every now and again where there's a threat and then sink back into the permafrost to be undiscovered for centuries? Yeah, I will say that last uh, story was a curveball because I think you kind of teed me up the whole episode saying that they crashed, that they were flying, they crashed. That's my personal theory. Well, I guess if they did come from another planet, they would have had to at some point, maybe not crash, but come down from the stars but you are right you're you're painting the right picture here which is we've got two main questions are they real and if they're real are they paranormal yeah exactly and you know the evidence is i'd say for ufo cases the evidence in today's story is pretty much as strong as it can get outside of someone snapping a picture of this thing mid-air I mean, the fact that we have evidence of it being there for a long time, because as we said, it's been such a, even a legend in the origins of this land that portions of the map are named after these objects. But we also have uh, sightings and expeditions spanning hundreds of years, going back as frequently as the last 30 years, where investigators up for debate whether or not they got any real tangible evidence. But um, it's safe to say they definitely didn't just come up empty handed. There were some things they came across that could be used in either side of the argument. I wouldn't say it's as good as it gets. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I might not go that far. Well, I know it's. Uh, I know you're saying that because obviously Shag Harbor kind of like set the bar for just everything paranormal cases, yeah. evidence, testimonies, humor, so, so hosting. The, Is that crazy? Set the bar hosting. for kind of mediocrity, uh, <sighs> if anything. Um, Listen, I agree on the front of if it's that prevalent in local legend, if there's that many stories. There was something. There was there was something at some point. Yeah. But it's also frustrating if <laughs> Oh, they were there, buddy. Oh, they were there. They were tiring. They were giant. They were you could get inside them. You could get inside them. Sure. And then <laughs> right around the invention of the 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 camera, oh, they're gone, buddy. Oh, they've sunk. <laughs> they're they're gone. Oh no, they're long gone. They're under and they're pretty they're pretty down there, so we can't even dig them up. This kind of reminds me of the I mean, we we've had this before in cases. It reminds me of the uh high Brazil case where it's like uh, an island that was on maps for generations people talked about going there people talked about seeing it you can look at it on old ancient maps and then nowadays it's like it's it doesn't exist it's gone you can argue that over time for whatever reason it's sunk underwater there's a lot of different explanations we're kind of seeing a similar thing here where it's like hey there's all these legends and stories and tales about these things we can't find them anymore but it seems like it may, they might have been there at some point and they were pretty prominent. Yeah, that is an interesting comparison. Because that was a double but yes. I actually, yeah, I think now that I think about it, High Brazil was, yeah, double yes. I think we both I, said. I don't think it was. I think, I think it was. Really? I, I don't remember. I think we did say it was real, which is worrying because that story involved a lot of wizards. It was, I, there was, there was no evidence whatsoever. I think I got carried away and I said it was a, yeah, I got really, at some point we played the Pirates of the Caribbean music and that always riles I me up. I must have so. been drunk. I must have been drunk. <laughs> uh, but you got to know that it's, it's, this is hard. This is hard. Is it? <laughs> is well, it? Because even if we know there's something down there, how do we know? Uh, what it is, I, I guess, because for me, if you tell me people go to this place and they get sick, even if we could just pin that down, even then it would, would be like, well, there's a lot of just radioactive waste. It's like, by the way, all the all the radioactive material in the world has to get buried yeah. and it gets buried in the middle of nowhere. And if you go near it, you'll get sick, uh, especially in a country like 
the former Soviet Union where they weren't telling anyone anything and they tried to deliberately cover up a lot of shit. Yeah, radioactive uh, materials, UFOs, cauldrons, ancient alien sentry turrets. Maybe, maybe, but um, but I suppose the idea here is that if they really were there, they predate any human technology of that kind. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, when, when the, the dates where these areas were being named would be so far before humans possessed any kind of this technology. And as I said, we're talking about a place that's described as impenetrable. Even if you were dumping radioactive material, you, you're not getting a, a truck a thousand miles close to this location. It is so out there. It they would sink in the swamp, the rivers. They wouldn't make it through the trees. I mean, These are huge metal things that have no explanation how they got there. If... They did get there. I mean, I don't get me wrong. The last thing I will say is uh, I do love, I do absolutely love this concept of I like if we're if we are putting on our tinfoil hats and we're we're being Mulder here and we're saying that UFOs have been visiting Earth for a long time. If we're saying that they've ever landed, if we're ever saying that they've crash landed, it's reasonable to assume that that would have been throughout history at times that are not, you know. 1995 and landing in front of the white house yeah but that they may have landed in places that are more remote uh, the earth is a big place if they had landed in siberia or in the sahara desert or if they had landed in uh western china mountainous western china these are all places where they would go unnoticed or undiscovered for substantially longer than anywhere else this is the case we beg for that a ufo didn't just show up in uh but nowhere southern america yeah this is what we we want is yeah a much more believable plausible case where granted the most extreme part of the story is claiming that someone went inside and it was had a bunch of rooms and you could walk around it but i mean at its core if it's like hey we think there's something kind of radioactive and kind of up buried in the the wilderness that's been there for a really long time i don't think that's uh that's a huge story to tell and that's why this week for me it's gonna be a yes <laughs> oh, God damn it. it's gonna be a yes look i'm not saying that this is uh, it's i'm not saying that, that it's some super hyper intelligent technology that can blow shit out of the sky i'm just saying because of how long this thing's been around and the place names and that this thing's been a part of the folklore there and there is kind of some modern evidence, I think something paranormal could be happening in those woods. For fuck's sake, I'm giving it a yes. Yes! Uh, yeah. Yes! This is the most yes! reluctant yes of my life. I, 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 it's so, right. so annoying. I love UFOs, bro. I love UFOs so Apparently much. not, because I have to fight you tooth and nail to get a yes across the board anytime. I hate this. Anytime. I hate this. You heard it right here, folks. That is a double yes. And that is the first step in ending the Civil War, which is brother <laughs> and brother coming together, talking about UFOs and shaking hands at the end of it. And there is, But there is still a bloody, a bloody discourse uh, about the, a, a wound that can probably never be healed, but it is the first step towards ending that war. You know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do something wild at the the end of this this podcast because it's a UFO story, and we did just give it uh, a yes. Uh, Kit, will you re reach behind and grab me that giant alien crystal skull? <laughs> We've been recently buying stuff for the studio, and one of the things that we bought was a bottle of vodka that comes in an enormous glass jar shaped like a green alien's head, and this is vodka that is distilled through. 
a five billion year old meteorite. Oh, is that the idea? This, yeah, this is it. I don't know what it's called. Outer space vodka was. or something like that. Because it's a double yes and it's a UFO case, I'm, I'm going to have a little sip. Ooh-wee. It is not even lunchtime yet, but I think I'm, I'm doing the celebration. If you're watching any of the videos that we've been uploading to YouTube and socials, you'll be able to see this drink. It is absolutely wild looking, and I think it's the perfect way to celebrate a little double yes here on the podcast. Mamma mia. So we're pouring these into some beautiful crystal customized etched This Paranormal Life tumblers, these beautiful glasses, and there's a decanter with it too. Um, shout out to Jack De La Plain. He sent these probably last year at this point. Um, and we've been waiting a long time for our new studio to be ready so that we could set it up and use these as the uh, in-house glassware. So how cool to be enjoying that. Thank you to Jack De La Plain for, for sending those through. Cheers, brother. Cheers, brother, to a uh, double yes in the new TPL headquarters. Yeah. Ah. Woo! That's pretty good stuff. That's actually not bad. You can really taste the five billion year old meteorite. That's not bad at all, is it? <laughs> Ooh. Tastes like victory. Uh, thank you, James. Oh, it's got a little uh, little 200-year-old century alien fireball kick to it at the end there, doesn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the outro of this episode, my vision went blurry. <laughs> my legs stopped working. I felt nauseous. The doctor couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. The doctor said he'd had too many Coronas, <laughs> but Rory refused to listen. Thank you once again to James Nichols, who submitted uh, that investigation. A great case for us to look into. Uh, If you have your own story you want us to investigate, whether one that you're interested in or one that's happened to you, send us an email at thisparanormallifepodcast at gmail.com. As I said, we are now filming the show. So on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere, we're uploading clips weekly from the show. So uh, go ahead and check that out if you're a fan of the podcast. And maybe some of your favorite moments will be immortalized in video form. And of course, if you want more TPL than just your weekly episodes, the place to go is patreon.com. This is where you can get amazing rewards like bonus episodes every month, weekly episodes called The After Party, which is all the behind the scenes, and so many more cool rewards and merchandises and ad-free episodes. You should definitely check it out because there's some amazing stuff you can get over there. As I said, one of the coolest things you can get is our monthly bonus episodes where we dive into, let's call it what it is, the real X-Files of this paranormal life. (laughs) The cases that are so classified and straight up sexy that we have to paywall them just so the government can't hear about them. It's kind of a strange little side effect of kind of the Freedom of Information Act. You know, we were just making episodes of this paranormal life and archiving them because some of them were too f***ed up and true for the public to hear them. Um, But our own listeners found out and submitted Freedom of Information Act. So we were forced, forced to release them. Uh, and, and that's where that Too Hot for TV stuff goes on Patreon. Last month, our bonus episode was on a cryptid known as the Devil Monkey. Yeah. A real serious, hard-hitting paranormal case. To give you a little taste of what that episode was like, here's a short clip from the episode. Nice. This is what I'm saying. Kit, in the official police report, official in quotation marks, <laughs> obviously, they said that the animal recovered on the site was the body of a small breed of dog about 10 inches tall are you seeing these pictures we have a human next to this thing 
for scale. This thing is enormous. It looks like a big dead hairy cow. Okay, but this might also be the first time in this paranormal life history where I think I'm on the police side. <laughs> Why are the police trying to cover up devil monkeys? I love the idea of this just like hardworking, honest policeman interacting with the uppermost echelons of the Illuminati. That is it. There's like, hello, forget what you saw. Like, All right, man, I need to fucking move it off the road, though, because it's like in the way. And this lady needs to claim her insurance. Forget what you saw. Don't touch it. Like, I, I don't know what you want me to do. Moving forward, this will be the quarantine zone. 20,000 troops will be on the location tomorrow. Do not breathe a word of what you saw. It's like, all right, well, we've, we've actually got the county fair setting up on Sunday. So they're actually, they're going to need to set up the, the barn over here. Is that going to be a problem? Fuck, really? All right, they can have the corner of the field, but the quarantine zone is where the beast lies. The guy's really overly friendly. Oh, hell, you, 20,000, you said? Jeez, I think we're going to need to make some more lemonade. I don't think we'll have enough, but we'll, we'll sure do our best. We will be there at 0800 hours. Oh, you're going to want to come early if you want to see the pumpkin measuring contest. <laughs> Last year, there was one that, the size of a football. <laughs> Listen to me, you little shit. In Area 51, we have pumpkins the size of which you've never seen. <laughs> Fuck, I've said too much. <laughs> He's getting really competitive. <laughs> I've seen a pumpkin the size of New York City. <laughs> like, why, why are you telling me this? What is confidential and what isn't? <laughs> you know, until you kind of brought that up, I don't really know why the police would try to cover up that this is a devil monkey. <laughs> Not entirely sure. I think maybe I got carried away with kind of the, the flow of how these things usually go. <laughs> that, that it feels like... It feels like any cryptid should be worthy of covering up, but this one really isn't. It really isn't. <laughs> that was a good one. That one was Ooh. a good one. Wow. As I said, you can get access to that episode and I think 63 more now on Patreon.com. There's a huge catalog That's over insane. there that you can get access to for just five bucks a month. So go ahead and check it out. It's, it's one of the best ways you can support the show. And as we always say, one of the other great rewards you can get on Patreon.com is a shout-out. Your very own shout-out at the end of the episode. And that's what we're going to do right now. So special thank you to Alcoholic Trex. Trex, if you're an alcoholic, you're going to want to filter some of that shit through a 4 billion, 5 billion year old meteorite. Even if it's just like a Bud Light or a, a Coors, right? I think it would still, you'll get a nice spacey kick from putting it through a big space rock. Because I was going to say, like, if you're an alcoholic, maybe get help. Maybe reach out. AA is a great framework, 12-step program. Sure. Uh, for getting, you know, getting a handle on your life. And But you're saying... Put it through a rock okay. first. <laughs> That'll help in that some way. That might help the hangovers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks also to Om Shukla. Om Shukla, can I cook you something? Yeah, I just got this new cauldron and I really think it's, 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 uh, I'm really going to perfect my Irish stew recipe. It heats itself. <laughs> it heats itself, which is pretty cool. It's good for the energy bills, I will say. Have you always wanted to be bald? Everything's got an aftertaste though, I would say. Just be prepared for that. Thank you also to Martin Poles. Martin, we're going to need those poles. Because from what I've heard, those cauldrons are buried pretty damn deep. So we're going to have to start slamming them in every puddle we can find to see if we can track it down. And because 
this week's episode was a double yes, we know that they're really out there. So let's start hunting, brother. Thanks also to Thomas Reed. Thomas, I'm going to hold up a piece of paper here. Can you just see, can you read read out these letters that are in front of you? Uh-huh, A, uh-huh, L, zero, seven. Yeah, that was entirely wrong. Yeah, this motherfucker has been too close to the cauldron. He can't see oh, a damn thing. <laughs> oh, so Thomas, boy. that was zero percent, zero out of a hundred there. Uh, I guess the scary thing is, is can he not read because his eyes are bad or uh, is his brain melted now? Is it spaghetti? Ooh, it's hard to know, isn't it? Okay, Thomas, get back here. We've got some more tests. To it's run. like, it's like, Thomas, can you read this? And he's like, I sure can. And he does like a roly poly. And it's like, all right, he, he needs to <laughs> go see a doctor. Are gone too. <laughs> Thanks, lastly, but not leastly today to Jason Goss. Jason Goss, that's actually a nickname, is because Jason's a great person to go to for all the best paranormal goss. Like, ooh. like, like, ooh, like, did you hear like that investigator that went to go see the metal cauldrons and he like died? Like, that's crazy. Oh, that's kind of dark. I thought it'd be a little bit more lighthearted. Like, guess who has a crush on the donkey lady? Oh, you're never gonna get it. No, you're no, saying no. a man died. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you're not, saying a, a dude died. It's more like J Jason is like, yeah, did you like, you know, <laughs> did you know a person's getting getting sentenced to life because they they thought. They were hunting Chupacabra, but it was just a guy. That's not even paranormal. That's yeah. just murder, it sounds like. That yeah. doesn't seem like that should be gossip. That should be, uh, someone should it, tell the police. I guess it's not gossip. It's just goss rhymes with what his last name actually is. So. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Damn, it's always a pleasure when we get a double yes. And this was a fantastic case to give it to. Kind of reminded me of a little bit of the Metal Library, another old TPL case. Fully agree, which is a favorite, a, a longtime favorite. A favorite and uh, one with a lot of solid, fantastic evidence. So lots more of those cases to come. Please keep your submissions coming. And of course, we will be back next week with another paranormal tale. In the meantime, always remember to live fast, investigate, investigate and, and die young, baby. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.